Well, today I actually want to start with my last point. So you'll actually know where I'm going to end up today. But today I'm talking about a matter of trust. Um, and, and for the Israelites, they've come to a point where they are literally, not figuratively, not some kind of metaphor, they are literally on the doorway, the doorstep, the front yard of the promised land. And, and so basically, they've got to come to a point where they've got to trust. But I want to, before I jump into it too much, what I want you to realize is that this seems like a similar story. Anyone know what story it might be a bit similar to? The Red Sea. Now, who was at the Red Sea? Moses. So he was there, so a bit different. Moses not here. Who else was there? Joshua was there, so he saw it. Caleb was there. And who else? The Egyptians? God was there. Yeah, that's, that's like Jesus. answers Jesus. Um, it was the previous generation was there. There is a brand new generation here. Now, they have heard the story of the Red Sea. They've heard their parents talk about it. They've probably heard Moses talk about it. They've probably seen it referred to in, in, in different stories of how God has acted. It's probably been one of those things that they've faced a new challenge going, hey, don't you remember the God who's brought us through the Red Sea is the same God we serve today. They've heard all those stories. But they have not seen God move in such a way in their own life. They've seen God work. But there's been no Red Sea moment. And imagine for you, for a moment, like when it comes to trusting God in that situation, the Israelites were basically hemmed in. They had come to this vast amount of water and all of a sudden their retreat or their only way out is blocked by the Egyptians in chariots, spears, armor, all the things. And what are they doing? They're carrying knapsacks. They're leading cattle. They're, they're making sure the wagons go across. And they've come to a point where they can go no further. Now, that situation, all of a sudden, they had to trust God. They had to do something. And the thing is, some of them didn't. There were people who said, Moses, why did you lead us out of here just to die in the desert? We could have just stayed there and been beaten, but at least we would have been alive. And Moses walked into the water and the Red Sea split and all of Israel, millions of people walked through that day. They got to the other side and the Egyptians went, we better catch up to them real quick. And they were defeated by the hand of God. The Israelites didn't lift lift their hand that day. They didn't even have to say a nasty word back. No, 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 no. They were, they were done. God finished them up that day. And from that point, that moment became a significant sort of moment in Israelite history. And even for this new generation that was on the, on the boundary of the promised land, it was there. But right in front of them, there was the Jordan River. And what I want to say today is that this new generation of Israelites, they needed to see God work in a new way for themselves. They needed to see it happen for themselves. Why? Because as soon as they walked through the promised land, they were going to go up against the enemies of God. They were going to be fighting. They were going to be conquering cities. They were going to be facing risk. They were going to be obedient to God, but it was not without challenge. And so they, even though last week we talked about Rahab and how Rahab actually mentioned that, oh, we, we heard how God opened up the Red Sea and all our country people are afraid. And we know that your God is going to win and how that encouraged them. Sometimes we just need to get a point where we need to see God work for ourselves. 
And this becomes important in a number of areas. It becomes important for us as parents and grandparents because we need to see God work in the lives of our children, our grandchildren, that next generation of people. We need to see them recognizing God moving in their own lives. And sometimes we can hold on to them so tightly that we don't let God move in such a way. We, we tell them our stories. We tell them what God has done for us. And we need to, they need to sort of step out into an unknown area. And as parents, we go, no, no, they're not stepping out there. I'm going to protect them and God's going to protect me and we're all going to be in, God, we're going to hedge them in and we're going to get through this okay. How are they going to hear the story of God in their own life? How are they going to be able to share, well, this is what God has done for me. So that's a challenge I want to leave you with for in the beginning, but that's for that next generation. But for us, sometimes we've seen God work at a time in our life when we look back. And for some of it, it might be way back. We go, oh, God was amazing there in my life. And we, we, we constantly go back to, we go, oh, it was so great when God did that. I saw God move in such a, a blessing, blessed way at that time. And what we need right now, we actually see, need to see a fresh move of God in our own lives. To God to be moving around us, to God to be achieving something, maybe something new in our lives or around us. It may be something new in our church and, and around our church. We need to see God moving in that way. And today, as we sort of experience this next generation of Israelites, they are about to see God work. And we need to come up with this, I suppose, the same desire and expectation to want to see God work right now for us. That becomes the, the first point. We, we need to see God move now. Again, I'm not saying we, we, we dismiss how God has moved in our past, but we need to have that desire for God to move now in our lives. And the thing is, and we're going to get to this today, is that God may be prompting us, you need to go this way to see me work and to do something miraculous in your life. And if, and if you're obedient, then you will do it. And we go, God, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to go that way or to do that thing or, or to tell that person about you. It doesn't make sense. And so we actually hold off from being obedient to God. And yet God will move powerfully in that space. And unless we go through that space, we won't see it work. And so for the Israelites, it wasn't about building boats. It wasn't about finding and um, waiting until the water had gone down. It wasn't about sort of um, um, walking around and, and saying, oh, God, help us find a way. No, it was going straight through the river. Because when they went straight through the river, they ended up just outside Jericho, whereas God wanted them to be exactly. And so God had to do something miraculous. So God had to do something mighty in their life right then right there. So when we look at this story, um, again, We've actually been only looked at the first two chapters so far of Joshua. It seems like we've been there for a while, but we're getting to chapter 3 and, and they, they, are, they have actually got to the banks of the Jordan River. They've set up camp. Nice little location, riverside sort of camping. Again, God doesn't want them to stay there. We're setting up camp so that we can move through and we're going to get to the other side and we're going to keep on moving. And, and the thing is, though, like... I don't know how many of them were scratching their head at this point in time, going, um, Joshua, I'm not sure if your GPS is not working, but there is a major thing right in front of us, right there. And, and I don't know how many of them asked, I don't know which way we're going to go. I remember years ago, um, actually it was a, just before we came up here to Rockhampton, we'd come up in the Christmas holidays to find a rental. 
Um, and it was it was tough going. And I, I, because of that, we wanted to, there was one last place we wanted to have a look at before we left. And so we looked at this place. We went back to my in-laws and we had dinner. And then we left at 7.30 at night because we wanted to get home with the kids. We'd already been up here too long. We need to get home to keep packing. We need to get ready for Christmas. And so it was that year that everything was flooding. We got up here okay. And so we went, we decided to go back the same way. We're going to get home some ridiculous hour, but we're going to get home that night, be in our beds, and everything would have been okay. Problem was, we got halfway through the journey, we got to Mandabra, and as you drove through town, there was a sign saying, oh, flooded, the bridge is flooded. I went, I drove here on the way here, that bridge was really, really high. It can't be flooded, it must be a wrong sign. We got to the bridge, and it was flooded. Now, by this point in time, it is, it's, Getting to latish at night. Now, this is, this is how much technology has come. Ten years ago, uh, GPS wasn't that great, like on our phones. Um, and it was about 11 years ago now. And so, and so the signal wasn't always good. So we're going, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll just keep going this way. And we ended up driving through Gainder. And, and then I sort of, a couple of things started worrying us was the fact that, one, um, we don't know exactly how to get home from here. Uh, GPS is not working great. And then I looked down and went, oh, and the fuel tank's not full. We can't drive forever. And so it was a, one of those things where we went, we don't know which way to go. We were uncertain if we should stop and just wait till morning and, again, wake up and really stiff and sorry and sore in the car. Um, at the time, we only had two kids, so they were quietly sleeping in the back at this point in time, but it was a worry. And, and so we didn't know which way we'd go. And, and that can happen as well. Like We see this in the story for the Israelites. The fact that they saw the river in front of them, and it was in full flow. It wasn't like, okay, guys, I'm going to get my pants wet a little bit. It's going to be a bit cold. It was, they were going to get washed away if they tried to go through the river. And then what we need to realize is God will show us the way when we don't know it. There will come times, if it hasn't happened already in life, it will happen where we do not know the way to go. Or the way that we think we should go doesn't make sense, or the way God is calling us, we go, oh, no, that's not logical in our human understanding, but we need to understand that God will show us the way when we don't know it. And Joshua 3, um, verses 3 and 4 says, When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never travelled this way before, they will guide you. Now, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now, again, just we've talked about this recently uh, when we looked at David. The Ark of the Covenant was the representation of God's presence among the people. So who was leading them then? If the ark, they were following the ark, who were the people following? They were following the priests, but they were carrying the what? Which was the representation of what? So they were following who? God, okay, we got there. Um, so Lynn could have jumped in straight away on God, Jesus, on that one. But, but the thing is, they were following God. Like, and, and what is, it says here, because you have never travelled this way before. There are going to come times in your life that you will go on a, a totally different pathway that you've never been before. Um, and, and, and God is going to lead you through that. He may not lead you in a way that makes sense to you, but he will lead you through that. So God had basically said, okay, the priests 
who are representing me are going to lead you in the way to go. I've told them exactly what they need to do. You follow them and you'll be following me. And then we see in Joshua 3, 6. And in the morning, Joshua said to the priest, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. So basically they went ahead of the people and Joshua's message was clear because he got it clearly from God that you are going to lead them across the river. There was no, okay, guys, you are going to swim and tread and hold the Ark of the Covenant just so people know where they need to swim. It was not like, okay, we're going to go and make boats. We're, not going, to, we're going to try and make a bridge or, or we're going to find a tree swing and go from one side to the other. It was, we're going to walk across this river. Now, straight away, people are going to go, well, how is that going to happen? There's lots of water there. Well, that comes to my next point. If the way is blocked, God will make a way. Now, again, this goes back, there's a, there's a principle here we need to make sure of. If you want something really badly and you go, oh, that's not going to happen, and you go, oh, well, and you're hearing me say, oh, God will make it happen, this is dependence on us being obedient and following where God wants us to go. So if you are wanting to be disobedient to God and you want God to open up the way for that, the thing is he won't. You probably will try and find a way to open that up, but God won't open up a way for us to be disobedient. That'll be all on us. But if if God is calling us to go in a certain direction, he's calling the Israelites to go across the Jordan River, God is going to make a way to remove the blockage. In Joshua 3.8, it says, um, Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. I love the. I have to. I love these stories because there's no mention of how what the priests are thinking, what the people are thinking, and, I, and my brain just goes all these different places going. Because again, okay, who hops into water when you go and hop in a pool? Who just jumps in? Who's a jumper? Okay, who does the acclimatization sort of wiggle? Okay, get my ankles in, and then you get in, and then you get a. Ooh, it's cold now. The priests, they're being sent into the water. They're wearing their full gear. And they're going, okay, so that was my first, where my brain went first. They're going into, into cold water, but it's going cold water that's running really fast. And they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They've got no, no flippers, no goggles, no nothing. And I'm going, again, I'm not sure if they had as much faith as Joshua. Maybe they did, and they were like, yeah, this is fine. They walked straight in. But I can just imagine them going... Okay, the guys at the front especially going, well, you guys go first. I'm going at the back. Yeah, yeah, like at least I'll be in the water a little bit, but if you get swept away, I'm, I can get back to shore real quickly. Um, but they, 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 had, they got asked to walk into the water because that was going to be God's way of removing the blockage. Now, again, this is not the way we normally clear water. It's not a logical way of doing things. And so God may move in an illogical way in your life to open up a blockage that you need to walk through to be obedient to him. It doesn't mean that he might, he might use a logical way. He might use like, oh, that was great, praise God for that. But he might move in such a way that you go, oh, wow, that was only God and no one else. To make it worse, we'll look at Joshua 3, uh, verses 15 and 16. It says, It was the harvest season, and the Jordan River was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away. 
So again, priests walking along, carrying the ark, and, and, and it's overflowing. Overflowing. And the priests are going to go, we're going to walk in there, we're going to add mass to that water, it's going to overflow even more. And it's flowing, it's, it's moving, it's racing. But as soon as their feet hit the water, the water stops and disappeared a long, great distance away. They couldn't even see it. I'm going, like, did God just pull a big plug out of somewhere and the water disappeared? Like, I, 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 again, just imagine the people that are watching this that heard the story of the Red Sea. But all of a sudden, this water had disappeared. It disappeared. And so all of a sudden, the blockage that was stopping them from being obedient to God was gone. And they could walk into that. But then it comes to this point that we need to move off the edge. So the priests are in the middle of the river. They're standing there. They're holding, they're holding the Ark of the Covenant. But now the people are, have the opportunity to, to actually walk through that blockage, to walk in a way that they can overcome and to, to really come to a point where they can be obedient to God. We need to move off the edge because, again, going back to that pool illustration, you don't enjoy the pool until you're in. Like, you've got to, you've got to get, get in there. And in the same way, sometimes with the things that God wants us to walk through, we cannot observe it from a distance. We can't hear about it. We've got to walk into the experience ourselves and to experience what God wants to do in us and through us. We've got to go through it. And so the people needed to get off the edge. And so um, uh, Joshua 3.17 says, Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground. It's not even muddy. Like, my kids will walk through mud three hours earlier and they'll still walk mud into my house. God sort of pushes the waters back and he dries the mud at the same time. Dry ground they're standing in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So again, I'm not sure how wide it was. So again, it could have been enough for maybe four or five sort of troop lines to walk through. It could have been wider. It could have been... But whatever it was, the water disappeared so they could move across. Now, again, sometimes when we sort of step into being obedient with God, there's still that hesitation we have. And I can imagine these soldiers going, yep, the priests are out here and, and the water disappeared and that's fantastic. Praise God for that. But what if he lets it go a little bit earlier than, than I'm... Anyone out there worry like that? Like with things in their life going, okay, well, what if, what if this doesn't work out the way God is telling me it's going to work out? And so you had those soldiers who were marching, marching, I'm going to get to the other side real quickly so that just in case God pulls his hand away or pulls that puts that plug back in, we're going to get swept away. But the whole nation got through. They all got through. And so they actually stepped into this experience. And so all of a sudden, no longer was it the God who, who, who got my parents through the Red Sea. It is the God who has got me through the Jordan River. See that why that's so significant? It's significant for us to experience in God working our lives. And sometimes it's our obedience that stops that experience from happening or lack of obedience. Now, one of the really important things in doing this, and so they remember the Red Sea. That's great. And, and that's an important principle because there is a need for remembering in our lives. 
Sometimes God works in a mighty way and maybe it's, that's what gets us through until that next time that God moves. And so again, for the Israelites, they, they made this really important decision and, 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 and act of obedience to actually remember what God had done. And we see this in chapter 4 of Joshua, verse 4 and 5. And so Joshua called together 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up a stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each 12 tribes of Israel. So these 12 men go in and grab a a stone that represents their tribe and it's big enough that they've got to put it on their shoulder. Okay? It's sort of, it's not a little rock. Um, And then we actually see, we we see God do a few things. We jump down to verse uh, 21. And then Joshua said to the Israelites, in future your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Because basically what had happened, Joshua told the men to build a, a memorial, a monument, so the people of Israel, as they passed by, would actually see it and go, this is where God opened up the Jordan River for us. They even actually built a second monument actually in the river that was going to be covered by the water. But there was one on land. So what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes and he kept it dry until you were all across just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did, that, uh, he did this so that all the nations of earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and you might fear the Lord your God forever. So as the kids and the grandkids would see this, there was an opportunity for them to remember who God was and what God had done. But also it became a reminder like that, that second generation, every time they passed the Jordan River there, hey, this is where God worked. This is where God worked in such a powerful way. And so we need to find ways of actually building memorials into our lives. Now, when I say don't go out and sort of build something fantastic in the, in the backyard, well, if you want to do that, I'm not going to stop you, but it might be just finding where God has answered prayer and, and writing answers for that and sharing with our church and go, hey, that's one of the great things we've been able to do in the past two years with Sarah and the prayer chain. We've been able to see God, hey, we've been praying for this and this is how God's worked. We can remember that together and it strengthens our faith and all of a sudden we can praise the God who is all-powerful. It might be telling those stories with your family, with your kids, and hey, hey, this is where God has looked after us. It may even be some of the times, that some of the stuff that's at times as we as adults, we as parents... We go through our, we kind of go through together and sort of protect our kids from. And maybe they need to know that, hey, God has been working our lives. Maybe they need to know that we've got worries and then God has answered our prayers. Hey, maybe we need to go, hey, we're struggling to be provided for and then God comes through and you go, hey, do you know God has been looking after us? And all of a sudden the faith of our kids grow. There is a need for remembering what is happening around us and what God is doing because it strengthens our faith and it strengthens our trust as we continue to follow him. And that's where we're going to wrap up today because it is a matter of trust. It is a matter of trust. When it comes to being obedient to God and experiencing some of the things that God wants to do in our lives, it is is important for us to walk with him where he is going. We need to let him show us the way. We need to let him to remove the boundaries. We need to get off the edge and, and actually follow him. And in doing that, it, it becomes a matter of trust for us. 
Joshua 3, 7 says, And the Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. So on this day, they were gonna, we're going we're gonna to trust Joshua because we're going to see that God is on Joshua's side. And when Joshua speaks, we know that he's actually walking with God and we're going to sort of trust in him as we trust in God. And because we see it with Moses, now we're going to see it with Joshua. And so all of a sudden, we, we see this next generation going, you know what, I can continue to follow God and God's people because I'm seeing him at work. But then we also see in, in Joshua 3, 9 and 10. And so Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. Now, I think the Israelites saw probably more activity of God in a very direct and open way than, than we do at times. I, I think sometimes maybe God works a little bit more subtly with us, which, okay, not to criticise God, but I think some of us, we're not very good with subtle. We need kind of a bit more directness. Maybe we need to open our eyes up. But like the Israelites saw manna. They saw the doves. They saw God providing water. They saw God be victorious in battle. And, and yet today, and this Joshua said, today you will know that the living God is among you. Now, as much as I'd like to criticize the Israelites for their lack of faith going, maybe, maybe they just didn't get it yet. I'm going, we, we too easily fall in that same category. We have seen God work. And we have seen God work and we've seen God work and provide and supply and show us and give us peace and give us patience and give us strength to overcome. And yet another situation comes up and we're going, I don't know if I can go that way, God. And so Joshua's saying to us today, today you will know that the living God is among you. And so there needs to be that new experience where we walk into whatever God is wanting to show us. Now, the struggle in that is, where is God leading you? Where is the blockage that God wants to remove for you? What edge of a river are you standing on saying, God, I'm not sure if I can do this yet? If you want to see the living God alive in your life, you need to walk in obedience with him. Now, sometimes God works in spite of our disobedience. But this, this is the trick. When we are being obedient to God, where are we? If God's walking this way and we're being obedient to him, where are we? We're with him. We're in his presence. So when God works, we have to capture that straight away. When we are back over here and God works over there, I'm going, oh, yeah, I can see you sort of did something. God, that's amazing. But we're not really convinced. But when we are in step with God and he does something amazing, all of a sudden we get it firsthand. We are impacted upon it. And what does it make us want to do? Walk even closer with God. So I don't miss out on the next time. So where is God calling you? Where is your blockage? Where is the Jordan River in your life that God wants to move you through so that you can get closer to him, so you can walk in obedience with him? God can do it. And you need to believe that because it comes down to a matter of trust. And that's what the Israelites did. And they went on to the next stage of their journey of entering into the promises that God had for them. That's what God wants for us as well. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you that
You made a way for the Israelites. You made a way for Joshua to, to get the people of God into the, the, the promised land, ready to, to, to begin taking it as you had called them to do. It wasn't without obstacle, Lord. And we find the same for us today that we are not without obstacle when it comes to, to following you. But you, God, wherever you call, you will make a way. If there is a blockage, you will remove it. And so, Lord, help us to, to walk in obedience with you, to stay in your presence, to see you work, and to acknowledge, like Joshua did today, we have seen the living God work. Lord, whatever our Jordan River may be today, help us to cross it through the power and the strength of God. Whatever our Jordan River may be for our church, Lord, may we stand on the, on the edge of that and may we walk through it and, and acknowledge your will for us and to walk in obedience with it. Lord, I, I, we may have crossed a Jordan. Maybe we've seen you work even just recently in, in our lives. But there will come a time that we need to trust you for something new, to see you work in a mighty way again. And help us to be ready for that, Lord, to be looking forward to a God who, who is alive in this world, to be al- who is alive in our world. And so today I pray that you would just show yourself more and more to us and the direction you want us to go. And we pray this in your name. Amen.